Section 7 of Great Pirate Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Vermeil. Great Pirate Stories by Various. Edited by Joseph Lewis French. Section 7. Morgan at Portobello. Morgan at Portobello. John Esquemeling. Some may think that the French having deserted Captain Morgan, the English alone could not have sufficient courage to attempt such great actions as before. But Captain Morgan, who always communicated vigour with his words, infused such spirit into his men, as put them instantly upon new designs. He inspired them with the belief that the sole execution of his orders would be a certain means of obtaining great riches, which so influenced their minds that with inimitable courage they all resolved to follow him, as did also a certain power of Compeche, on this occasion joined with Captain Morgan, to seek new fortunes under his conduct. Thus Captain Morgan, in a few days, gathered a fleet of nine sail, either ships or great boats, wherein he had four hundred and sixty military men. All things being ready, they put forth to sea, Captain Morgan imparting his design to nobody at present. He only told them on several occasions that he doubted not to make a good fortune by the voyage, if strange occurrences happened not. They steered towards their continent, where they arrived in a few days near Costa Rica, all their fleet safe. No sooner had they discovered then that Captain Morgan declared his intentions to captains and presently after to company. He told them he intended to plunder Puerto Bello by night, being resolved to put the whole city to sack, and to encourage them, he added, This enterprise cannot fail, seeing he had kept it secret, without revealing it to anybody, whereby they could not have notice of his coming. To this proposition some answered, they had not a sufficient number of men to assault so strong and great a city. But Captain Morgan replied, If our number is small, our hearts are great, and the fewer persons we are, the more union and better shares we shall have in a sport. Hereupon, being stimulated with the hope of those vast riches they promised themselves from the success, they unanimously agreed to that design. Now, that my reader may better comprehend the boldness of this export, it may be necessary to say something beforehand of the city of Puerto This city is in the province of Costa Rica, ten degrees north latitude, fourteen leagues from the Gulf of Darien, and date westwards from a port called Nombrezillos. It is judged the strongest place the king of Spain possesses in all the West Indies, except Havana and Cartagena. Here are two castles almost impregnable that defend the city, situate at the entry of the port, so that no ship or boat can pass without permission. The garrison consists of three hundred soldiers, and the town is inhabited by four hundred families. The merchants dwell not here, but only reside a while, when the galleons come from or go for Spain, by reason of the unhealthiness of the air, occasioned by vapours from the mountains, so that, though their chief warehouses are at Petrobello, their habitations are at Panama, whence they bring the pay upon moles when the fair begins, and when the ships belonging to a company of negroes arrive to sell slaves. Captain Morgan, who knew very well all the avenues of the city and the neighbouring coasts, arrived in the evening with his men at Puerto de Naus, ten leagues to the west of Puerto Men come hither, they sailed up the river to an harbour called Puerto Pontin, where they anchored. 
Here they put themselves into boats and canoes, leaving in the ships only a few men to bring them the next day to port. About midnight they came to a place called Estralonga Lemos, where they all went on shore and marched by land to the first post of the city. They had in their company an Englishman, formerly a prisoner at those parts, who now served them for a guide. To him and three or four more they gave permission to take the sentinel, if possible, or kill him on the place. But they seized him so cunningly, as he had no time to give warning with his musket, or make any noise, and brought him, with his hands bound, to Captain Morgan, who asked him how things went in the city, and what forces they had. With other circumstances he desired to know. After every question they made him a thousand menaces to kill him, if he declared not the truth. Then they advanced to the city, carrying the said sentinel bound before them. Having marched about a quarter of a league, they came to a castle near the city, which presently they closely surrounded, so that no person could get either in or out. Being posted in the walls of the castle, Captain Morgan commanded the sentinel, whom they had taken prisoner, to speak to those within, charging them to surrender to his discretion, otherwise they would all be cut in pieces without quarter. But they, regarding none of these threats, began instantly to fire, which alarmed the city, yet notwithstanding, though the governor and soldiers of the said castle made as great resistance as could be, they were forced to surrender. Having taken the castle, they resolved to be as good, as the words, putting the Spaniards to the sword, thereby to strike a terror into the rest of the city, whereupon, having shut up all the soldiers and officers as prisoners into one room, they set fire to a powder, whereof they found great quantity, and blew up the castle into the air, with all the Spaniards that were within. This done, they pursued the course of their victory, flying upon the city, which, as yet, was not ready to receive them. Many of the inhabitants cast their precious jewels and money into wells and cisterns, or hid them in places underground the to avoid, as much as possible, being totally robbed. One of the party of pirates, assigned to this purpose, ran immediately to cloisters, and to as many religious men and women as they could find. The governors, not being able ready citizens, through their great confusion, retired to one of the castles remaining, and thence fired incessantly at the pirates. But these were not in the least negligent either to assault him or defend themselves, though amidst the horror of the assault, they made very few shots in vain. For aiming with great dexterity at the mouths of the guns, the Spaniards were certain to lose one or two men every time they charged each gun anew. The fight continued very furious from break of day till noon. Indeed, about this time of the day, the case was very dubious to which party should conquer or be conquered. At last, the pirates perceiving they had lost many men, and yet advanced but little towards gaining either this or the other castles, made use of fireballs, which they threw with their hands, designing to burn the doors of the castles. But the Spaniards from the walls let fall great quantities of stones, another pots full of powder, and other combustible matter, which forced them to desist. Captain Morgan, seeing this generous defence made by the Spaniards, began to despair of success. Hereupon, many vain and calm meditations came into his mind. Neither could he determine which way to turn himself in that strait. Being thus puzzled, he was suddenly animated to continue the assault, by seeing English colours put forth at one of the lesser castles, then entered by his men, of whom he presently after spied a troop coming to meet him, proclaiming victory with loud shouts of joy. This instantly put him on the resolutions of taking the rest of the castles, especially seeing the chiefest citizens were fled to them, 
and had conveyed thither great part of their riches with all the plate belonging to the churches and divine service to this effect he ordered ten or twelve ladders to be made in all haste so broad that three or four men at once might attend them these being finished he commanded all the religious men and women whom he had taken prisoners to fix them against the walls of castle this he had before threatened governor to do if he delivered not the castle but his answer was he would never surrender himself alive captain morgan was persuaded the governor would not employ his utmost force seeing the religious women and the ecclesiastical persons exposed in front of the soldiers to the greatest danger thus the ladders as i have said were put into the hands of religious persons of both sexes and these were forced at the head of the companies to raise and ply them to walls but captain morgan was fully deceived in his judgment of his design for the governor who acted like a brave soldier in performance of his duty used his utmost endeavour to destroy whosoever came near the walls the religious men and women ceased not to cry to him and beg of him by all the saints of heaven to divert the castle and swear both his and their own lives but nothing could prevail with his obstinacy and fierceness thus many of the religious men and nuns were killed before they could fix the ladders which at last being done though with great loss of the said religious people the pirates mounted them in great numbers and with not less valour having fireballs in their hands and earthen pots full of powder all which things being now at the top of the walls they cannot and cast in among the spaniards this effort of the pirates was very great insomuch that the spaniards could no longer resist nor defend the castle which was now entered hereupon they all threw down their arms and craved quarter for their lives only the governor of the city would crave no mercy but killed many of the pirates with his own hands and not a few of his own soldiers because they did not stand to their arms and though the pirates asked him if he would have quarter yet he constantly answered by no means i had rather die as a valiant soldier than be hanged as a coward they endeavoured as much as they could to take him prisoner but he defended himself so obstinately that they were forced to kill him notwithstanding all the cries and tears of his own wife and daughter who begged him on their knees to demand quarter and save his life when the pirates had possessed themselves of the castle which was about nightfall they enclosed therein all their prisoners placing the women and men by themselves with some guards the wounded were put in an apartment by itself that their own complaints might be the cure of their diseases for no other was afforded them this done they fell to eating and drinking as usual to committing in both all manner of debauchery and excess so that fifty courageous men might easily have retaken the city and killed all the pirates next day having plundered all they could find they examined some of the prisoners who had been persuaded by their companions to say that they were the richest of the town charging them severely to discover where they had hid their riches and goods not being able to extort anything from them they not being the right persons it was resolved to torture them this they did so cruelly that many of them died on the wreck or presently after now the president of panama being advertised of the pillage and ruin of Bello, he employed all his care and industry to raise forces to pursue and cast out the pirates thence but these cared little for his preparations having their ships at hand and determining to fire a city and retreat they had now been at puerto bello fifteen days in which time they had lost many of their men both by the unhealthiness of the country and by extravagant debaucheries hereupon they prepared to depart carrying on board the pillage they had got having first provided the fleet with sufficient victuals for the voyage 
While these things were doing, Captain Morgan demanded of the prisoners a ransom for the city, or else he would burn it down, and blow up all the castles, withal he commanded them to send speedily two persons to procure the sum, which was one hundred thousand pieces of eight. To this effect two men were sent to a president of Panama, who gave him an account of all. The president, having now a body of men ready, set forth towards Puerto to encounter the pirates before their retreat, but they, hearing of his coming, instead of flying away, went out to meet him at a narrow passage, which he must pass. Here they placed a hundred men, very well armed, which at the first encounter put to flight a good party of those of Panama. This obliged the president to retire for that time, not being yet in a portion of strength to proceed farther. Presently after, he sent a message to Captain Morgan to tell him that if he departed not suddenly with all his forces from Petrobello, he ought to expect no quarter for himself, nor his companions, when he should take them, as he hoped soon to do. Captain Morgan, who feared not his threats, knowing he had a secure retreat in his ships, which were at hand, answered, he would not deliver the castles before he had received the contribution money he had demanded, which, if it were not paid down, he would certainly burn the whole city, and then leave it, demolishing beforehand the castles, and killing the prisoners. The governor of Panama perceived by this answer that no means would serve to mollify the hearts of pirates, nor reduce them to reason, whereupon he determined to leave the inhabitants of the city to make the best agreement they could. In a few days more the miserable citizens gathered the contributions required, and brought one hundred thousand pieces of eight to the pirates for the ransom. The president of Panama was much amazed that four hundred men could take such a great city with so many strong castles, especially having no ordnance wherewith to raise batteries, and knowing the citizens of Puerto had always great repute of being good soldiers themselves, who never wanted courage in their own defence. His astonishment was so great that he sent to Captain Morgan, desiring some small pattern of those arms wherewith he had taken with such vigour so great a city. Captain Morgan received this messenger very kindly and with great severity, and gave him a pistol and a few small bullets to carry back to President his master, telling him withal he desired him to accept that slender pattern of the arms wherewith he had taken Portobello, and to keep them for a twelvemonth, after which time he promised to come to Panama, and to fetch him away. The governor returned the present very soon to Captain Morgan, giving him thanks for favour of lending him such weapons as he needed not, and withal sent him a ring of gold, with this message, that he desired him not to give himself the labour of coming to Panama, as he had done to Petrobello, for it did assure him that it should not speak so well here, as he had done there. After this, Captain Morgan, having provided his feet with all necessaries, and taken with him the best guns of the castles, nailing up the rest, set sail from Petrobello with all his ships, and arriving a few days at Cuba, he sought out a place wherein he might quickly make the dividend of the sport. They found in ready money two hundred and fifty thousand pieces of eight, besides other merchandise, as cloth, linen, silks, etc. With this rich purchase they sailed thence to a common place of rendezvous, Jamaica. Being arrived, they passed here some time in all sorts of vices and debaucheries, according to their custom, spending very particularly what others had gained with no small labour and toil. End of section seven.